The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello and welcome to the Big Blue Review. I am Dan Pizzuta. I am joined by Chris Flum and we are coming to you right after the New York Giants suffered a 33-18 to loss against the New Orleans Saints in Week 4. Giants dropping to 1-3, and Saints went up to 3-1. and And Chris, I think we can just start by saying that was not a pretty game to watch. No, not at all. That We're not supposed to use colorful language too much on these podcasts, but that sucked. <laughs> I have so many more colorful words I would like to use to describe that game than sucked, but oh, man, okay. So, well, let's let's just get into it. I think the only place we can start here is the offense, and after a game against Houston where we thought, hey, this is what this offensive scheme is supposed to look like, it went back to looking like it did in the first two weeks. It went back to looking like it did throughout the Ben McAdoo era. Uh, It was a lot of short throws, a lot of plays that weren't going to gain you anything. And this was against the Saints defense that has literally, I tweeted this out, it has literally been turning opposing quarterbacks into Patrick Mahomes. So in, in 2018, Patrick Mahomes has an adjusted net yards per attempt, which is yards per attempt that factors in a touchdowns, interceptions, and sacks. He has a adjusted net yards per attempt this year of 11.8. The Saints before this game had allowed opposing quarterbacks an adjusted net yards per attempt of 11.8. And the Giants could not do anything against this defense. Yeah, the... The Giants' offense was just an absolute exercise in futility. I'm not sure if they knew they were legally allowed to throw the ball more than three yards in the air, but it seems like they were not aware of that fact. Or if they were aware of the fact, they forgot it after the first whistle blew. Yeah, so let's let's go into there because that's something I think that, that really stands out here. After... The Giants were able to push the ball downfield a little bit against Houston last week, but this week was just absolutely terrible. I'm looking at next-gen stats here. Eli Manning had 6.1 
uh, intended air yards. So his average throw was 6.1 yards past the line of scrimmage. That's the third lowest uh, among quarterbacks this week. Uh, Only Blake Bortles and Russell Wilson were worse. Eli's average catch per air yards was traveling 3.6 yards in the air. That was the lowest among quarterbacks this week. And it's not like it was another thing where he was pressured and there wasn't time to throw. So if you look at this right now, Eli had 2.66 seconds to throw on average. We talked about last week, he went down to 2.4. He was getting the ball out quickly. Uh, The first two weeks, it was about 2.7 Um, But you can't really blame the time to throw because I'm looking at the person one spot ahead of Eli and one spot below, and they were able to push the ball downfield, and they didn't have any problems. So the person above is Mitchell Trubisky, who had 2.67 seconds to throw. His A dot down the field, so average depth of target, was 10.5. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the one below him at 2.64 seconds to throw, and he was throwing the ball 10.7 yards down the field on average. No, those were two very different quarterback performances today, and Eli would be a third very different, but you can't blame the offensive line and the time he gave it to throw because there's two quarterbacks right there who are getting time the same exact time to throw, but they're able to push the ball down the field. I just don't get why this offense couldn't do it. Yeah, me neither. It seems like they it's easy for the opposing defense to put to back them back up into a shell. And once you once the offense starts just chasing completions, going for easy horizontal plays, basically the same scheme they had under Ben McAdoo, Eli just stops being a franchise quarterback at that point. He seems to lose that spark or whatever it is that he has that he has when he just tries to, or when he gets to attack a defense. When he gets to throw the ball downfield and be a gunslinger. It completely just takes away any ceiling on on the offense. Nothing can happen down the field when, when they're not even allowing them to. Uh, but the thing is, you kind of look at, you look at Beckham, and he's getting open down the field. There's there's plays where he's gonna get behind a defense and yeah. uh, and Eli's either just not looking there that's not in his progression you know you can't always tell what that is but there's opportunities to go down the field here and they're just not doing it and then it seems like when that doesn't happen they're just okay with being eventually being okay we know this isn't going to happen, so now we're not even going to try. And that's felt like what the whole second and third quarters of this game was on offense. Yeah, they're just taking all the all the skill and their skill players just right out of the equation and doing most of the work of the defense for them. It keeps everything in front of the defense. They can corral these incredible athletes, and it just lets the defense play downhill and forces guys like Odell and Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard to play in a phone booth. And it takes away any advantage they might have. When you look at, especially especially Beckham, the way he was used, he had an dot 7.2 yards. And that that's not how you should be using Odell Beckham. This, we've talked about it. The, the slants on occasion are, are fine. You should be hitting them there. But with that, that shouldn't be the offense. That shouldn't be the way he's used. 
On his 11 targets, six of them came four yards past the line of scrimmage or shorter. That's just, you can't win like that. Two of them came at two yards past the line of scrimmage. Two of them were at zero. Uh, So they were at the line of scrimmage, and one of those was the third down play where they (laughs) threw it to him immediately, and he tried to run and make something of it. Uh, Ended up being an eight-yard loss. I'm going to, that's a play that's going to be in the place that changed the game column I'm writing tomorrow. Just that, it was a third and 11. They lost eight yards. That was a negative 6.91% win probability loss there. Negative 2.12 expected points added. So, in, and that was at their own 35. So you just, they're going backwards. If they're not going backwards, they're just like just inching forward and I it's it's a conversation I think we're going to eventually have to have is this the offense is this Eli who can't do this because at this point we've spanned so long since the Giants have been really good offensively and when you think about it the one constant there has been Eli Manning uh there's been coaches there's been players who come in and I I think we have to wonder is it is if this scheme is this way because the coaches don't have trust in Manning to get the ball downfield, and if that's the case, then oh, there's so many more conversations we have to have about that. Yeah, the confusing part of it is, is that we do see instances or even games where he does get the ball down the field, where he does almost will the team to play at a higher level. Uh, the Jets game in the preseason he was going downfield almost every throw you know, he had shorter options but he said basically said, no I'm going to throw downfield against the Texans there were quite a few short passes but there were also the they attacked downfield much earlier in the game they didn't wait until desperation time they basically started attacking downfield from the first drive of the game this game, not so much, or barely at all even. I, I'm not quite sure how you complete 75% of your passes and have 31 completions and only get 250 yards out of it. Yeah, so he attempted just 10 passes further than 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. He completed four for 85 yards, so that's 8.5 yards per attempt on balls that traveled further than 10 yards in the air. You just, you can't have that. I mean, during the offseason, I wrote a really big piece that had that had videos and charts and things that showed that Eli, over the past couple years, has lost the deep ball. He just doesn't have the same consistency that, that he used to earlier in his career, and I, that's been a problem. So I just wonder if that's, if that's something that's compounding and is something that is keeping the play calling uh, from being where it needs to be, keeping the offensive structure just from where it needs to be, or if this is, if it's probably a little bit of everything that's going into this, but uh, what the Giants put out on offense, especially in the passing game against New Orleans, a team they should have been able to throw all over the field against, is, uh, it's just, that you, you can't win like that. No, it, it's just not good enough, and... With the talent they have on that offense, 
everywhere except for the offensive line, they should not be scoring less than 20 points on a defense that gave up 34 per game before this. That's There's no excuse for that. Right, and so I think we can move on to, to other parts of the offense. Briefly, Saquon Barkley had another 100-plus yard from scrimmage day. And again, man, it just like it doesn't really matter when when they can't push the ball downfield and the the quarterback can't do much. It it doesn't really matter what Barkley is doing. That's the argument against taking a running back second overall. But even the people who who said you shouldn't take a running back in that position and I'm going to be honest, I was one of them, said, "Yeah, Barkley's probably going to be pretty good and he's going to do good things and he has." But it's just not stuff that's that's helping the offense win. No, there's just not enough other good things happening around him. Yeah, you know, the offensive line isn't blocking well enough for him to consistently make yards. Yeah, you know, most of his yards are coming on chunk runs, and yeah, that was the knock on him coming out of school. But that's not him right now. That's just him making incredible efforts and getting those and then being stopped short on most of his other runs. He's still a really good receiver, which is good, I suppose. Right now, it the offense fits him as a short check down option. Well, I'd say it was nice to, nice to see them use Wayne Gallman split out as a wide receiver as well. So at least get the feeling that the full playbook is open for both running backs. That was something we wanted to see them using the the running backs. They weren't on the field at the same time as often as maybe we would have liked to see. They weren't really outside as often as we would have liked to see. If we go back to Gallman, he had one of the biggest plays and not in a good way for the Giants when he had that fumble in the second quarter. That was a big swing in the game. So I have here, that's another play I'm going to be looking at for the column on Monday morning. That was a negative 20.3 win probability loss there and negative 6.7 expected points. So uh, that was that was a big play with Gallman who only got two carries. Uh, and was uh, in the passing game a little more, three receptions. They they worked him in a little more. Um, after the game, Pat Shermer said he was in there just because they want to get him run, and, and they think he's a good player, which, which I agree with. But when you're playing an offense like the Saints and, and they're pushing the ball like they have been, really costly turnover like that can, can flip the game, and it kind of did. It did a lot. I mean, kudos to... Uh... Eli Manning for running Marshawn Lattimore down and put and getting the uh, tackle on that, I suppose. But that play was the game started going weird before that, and that was just the backbreaker. Really, you don't want a backbreaker to come before the half, but it, that's what it was. And the uh, kickoff where the returner dropped it and caught his own rebound—that was weird. Yeah, there's always a couple, couple of weird plays we can always, yeah. we can always expect when we're watching whatever the Giants are doing right now. Let's just move on to the defense. Why don't? Yeah, we? so that's what I was going to do. Uh, so I was going to talk about that fumble because after that fumble, the Giants 
held the Saints to a field goal. And that was the third of four trips to the red zone the Saints had that the Giants stopped them from scoring a touchdown. So the Giants' defense wasn't put in a great position to really succeed with how the offense was playing. So you had the Giants win five plays for three yards with a punt. They had the fumble. They had another three-play drive for two yards with a punt. That put a lot of stress on the defense, but they were able to hold early four field goals, and the Giants were only down 12-7 at half. Defensively, I, I think they played pretty well. Playing bend but don't break like they did is is hard to do, and a lot of times teams do end up breaking. When you're looking at kind of predictive of how future games or future plays are going to go, the 80 yards of the field are a lot more predictive than the 20 yards in the red zone. And that's the same thing for first and second down against third downs. So you kind of figured if the Saints were going to keep driving, they were going to break through eventually. And they did in the second half. But in that first half, I think the Giants defense played as pretty much as well as you could have asked them to against an offense like that and in the position they were put in. Oh, definitely. And especially while missing two of their best players in Vernon and Apple. Joris Jenkins, I'm just going to cut ahead a little bit and say we don't have many ups for this game, but Jenkins is one of them. In fact, he is all of them. But he played great, and they needed him to. And really, the defense played a lot better than a think the 33 points they gave up would suggest. They got more pressure than I think they will be ultimately credited for, but the, a lot of that's just Drew Brees being Drew Brees. And there's not much to say other than they had a solid game that was just wasted by terrible offense. That Brees thing is, is something we, we talked about in the preview episode, that He's hard to get pressure on, and when you get pressure on him, it's even harder to bring him down, and that was the case. The Giants had one sack, they had two quarterback hits, but they did get Breeze to move around a little bit. I think that took him off his game just just a little. I mean, Drew Breeze did not have a Drew Breeze day. He was 18 for 32, 217 yards. That's 6.8 yards per attempt, and he didn't throw for a touchdown. If you're a defense against Drew Brees, you're going to take that stat line 10 times out of 10. Yeah. If you can say you did that, odds are you feel like you should have won that game. Yeah. So Brees had had a QBR, and so ESPN's QBR, I know not a lot of people like it, but I actually like it on a per-game basis because it's actually supposed to be win probability. So he had a QBR of 36.9, and that basically means a quarterback who played like Drew Brees with that stat line in that situation wins the game 36.9% of the time. And you're going to take that if you're the Giants. But after the field goals, the Giants just, they couldn't make up big enough lead that New Orleans was inevitably going to break through. The Giants didn't have nearly enough cushion. And they actually didn't have any cushion after the four field goals when they went into into halftime. And then, like you said, 
Janoris Jenkins against Michael Thomas. So Thomas caught all four of his targets, keeping his reception per target rate ridiculous. I think he's 42 of 45 right now. Like his catch rate is just unbelievable. So he caught all four of his targets. But if you're able to keep Michael Thomas to just four targets that go for 47 yards, that is that is a great day. That's not lockdown, but that that's damn close. Yeah, it's it's much better than we were talking about Jenkins keeping DeAndre Hopkins at 80-something yards last week. To keep Michael Thomas to 47 yards is a really good defensive performance. There were some other chunk plays, and that's kind of what the Giants give up. There was a 20-yarder to Kevin Meredith. There was a 23-yarder to Ben Watson. And those plays kind of broke through. There was a 22-yarder to Josh Hill. They let some of those big plays happen, but just play to play, they were they were a lot better. And and I think that's that's a defensive performance you just have to take advantage of when you can. And they just could not. I thought we were going to move on and talk about the defense, and here we are talking about the offense again. Oh yeah, they it just, all it all just <laughs> comes around. Play to win. And here I'm quoting Herm Edwards, but they didn't play to win the game. They yeah. played to be careful, they played to control the ball on offense, and they played to not lose. And it's real tough to win when you're playing to not lose. I think that's definitely what you could say on on the offensive side of the ball. I think on the defensive side of the ball, as as we know with James Betcher, they stayed pretty aggressive. They, I mean, they, they did what they could. I think really the only... I mean, they stubbed their toe a few times with penalties, uh... Uh, penalties, I mean, you give up three touchdowns, 134 yards rushing to Alvin Kamara. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that that doesn't help. I mean, no. the, the big one, it was a 49-yard run at the yeah. end of the game to pretty much seal it, even though it was really sealed before then. I think the one thing you really have to worry about, and, and we'll probably talk about this now and leading into next week, is uh, that read option is still a problem. And you figured it wasn't going to be an issue with Drew Brees at quarterback, but the Saints brought in Taysom Hill. They're, they're using him as, as a piece all across the field. He returned a kick. He threw two passes, one of them on a fake punt that really changed the game early that kept the Saints going. They kicked a field goal on that drive when they converted on that fake punt. He ran four times. He was... He was the quarterback for one of Alvin Kamara's touchdowns on a read option. So I actually wrote about that a lot when we did our our previews on Big Blue View. I had the Giants defense this week. I was like, if the Saints are smart, which, you know, they are, they're probably going to trot out Taysom Hill. And and the read option is something you got to look at because they use him for about three plays against Atlanta uh, last week, and they used him again. And when you look at the read option problems the Giants have, man, they have Cam Newton coming next week. Yeah, the, Newton might just break his old playbook from Auburn and just run that. You would think. He's got a week off this week. Carolina's on a bye, so they're going to come in rested, and Cam might just start running over people. That's, again, something the Giants are, are really going to have to work on. We're spinning ahead to our preview show here, but it, that's definitely going to be something they're going to have, they're going to see, and they're going to see a lot of until they prove they can do something about it. 
Yeah, I think if there's one other thing we can look at going forward uh, uh, that that's a positive, Landon Collins had a really good game. He's kind of he's been around but hasn't really made that Landon Collins impact that he's made the past couple years. I mean, tackles aren't the end-all be-all, but he had 14 tackles. He had a pass breakup. He kind of, but he looked like he was Landon Collins again. Alec Ogletree had had 12 tackles. He was around the ball. He had two tackles for loss. He had that one uh, really nice tackle for loss on the screen he read from the get-go. You know, and and good for him. I th- I thought he would be someone the Saints would try to manipulate into one-on-one coverage, whether that was Ogletree playing well or the Saints just not really taking advantage of that. That's something that didn't happen. So that's that's a good thing to see. So if you got two players in the middle there playing well, you know, that's good. You know, Can we, we do something about the safety position? Yeah, I was. That's where I was about to go. We uh, <laughs> so Eric Reed was signed by the Carolina Panthers, who the Giants are going to see next week. So we can't continue the the Giants should sign Eric Reed bit, but we can do a Giants should have signed Eric Reed bit because uh, Curtis Riley I, he struggled again. He had couple of bad angles had a really bad missed tackle on the big Kamara play and that's that's really a big weakness uh in in the Giants defense and when we're talking about a lot of other places that, that played well that's just one place where they really need to upgrade and they just can't right now unless they could try Michael Thomas at free safety they're pretty much stuck with Curtis Riley and we were talking about this before we went on air. I like the idea of trying or moving a cornerback who doesn't quite have the the wheels, the athletic ability, however you want to put it, to play corner at a high level and trying them at free safety because that's a useful skill set to have. But they still have to be able to play safety. They still have to be able to come down and make the tackle. They still have to be able to pick out and use good angles to the ball. They still have to be that last line of defense. And when you don't have that last line of defense playing well, it it's tough for the rest of your defense to play well. This is something that Giants fans have seen. They have seen their defense with Kenny Phillips at free safety. They've seen it with Antrell Roll at free safety and Will Hill at free safety. They've also seen it with not those guys at free safety and it's a good free safety just it, it transforms the defense yeah that's definitely true i mean especially for a team like the the giants and a and a defense run by james betcher that's going to use a lot of single high safeties they're going to use landon collins around the line of scrimmage a lot uh, because that's where he's the best so when you have someone who's going to be on his own on an island in that in that backfield you really need to be able to trust him to to make the plays uh from sideline to sideline move up and uh curtis riley just hasn't been that player so far no and his tackling has not been up to par i suppose we'll say yeah i I guess uh, we can to put that very nicely and say it has not been up to par. Man, so can we even get to... We want to do four ups, four downs. We said we wanted to do that as as something that we ended each 
each review show with, but man, finding four ups in this game is is not an easy task. No, not at all. I we brought up uh, Janoris Jenkins. He deserves to be considered an up. I continue to be impressed with BJ Hill. He got another half stack, so that's he's gotten at least a piece of the quarterback in each of the last two games. Yeah, that was his, that was a sack up the middle uh, from uh, from a four man line, I believe, and the interior pressure. And he's he's someone who, when when we talk about a James Betcher defense, they like versatility. And BJ Hill is turning into that guy. So yeah. the half sack came from a defensive tackle alignment in a, in a four-man line. His sack last week uh, came as an end on a on a four-man line. So if you can start moving him all over and mix and match around him, he's yeah, he's an exciting young player, and that's that's someone uh, this defense can build around. Definitely, yeah. You know, looking at him, he is a guy people probably should have been talking about more before the draft, but again. There, he he was just the nose tackle for NC, NC State's line, but looking at him now, he is he was underused as in that role. He car- he's a big guy, but he carries his weight so much better than you would expect from a nose tackle. He moves so much better, and he has so much more, like you said, versatility, and he has a, a lot of potential there. I was doing the the third round write-ups for uh, for Big Blue View on on draft night, and I'm gonna be honest, I did not know much about BJ Hill before I started writing about him that night. Uh, and I watched uh, just a couple games of his like that night right before I did a write-up after the Giants drafted him. I was like, oh man, this guy can be really good. Yeah. And and yeah, he's he's definitely been a bright spot on on this defense. And to get someone like that in the third round, that's that's a nice thing because uh, that's that's a value pick there. Yeah, that was definitely a good get by them. Slim pickings for ups this weekend, <laughs> this week, man. Uh, yeah, um, I got one. Sure. Tony Romo announcing. Giants fans don't get to hear him all that often. It is nice listening to somebody who has played the game at a high level recently. And it was kind of fun to hear him predict the plays and have them actually come true. Yeah, we can talk about that for a little bit. I think Romo is, he's my favorite analyst, I think, on TV right now. He's so good. He explains everything so well, even aside from the predicting the plays, which which everybody went crazy about last year. Yeah. I think he's just really good at understanding the game, uh, knowing just how to talk about it. And that's that's great to see because we don't get that a lot on broadcast. Man, Jeff Fisher was one of the analysts for the Jaguars-Jets game uh, earlier. And... Whew. Man, he was like super excited about 27-yard field goal attempts uh, when the Jets were down like 18 nothing. Um, man, so so yeah, to to get someone who really know knows what they're talking about and can talk about it well. But it's it's sad that it's we're talking rare about treat. a Giants game and we're like, yeah, the announced team was good. Yeah, but that's kind of a solid measure of what that game was I'll, I'll be honest it was it was tough to watch I think something we'll we'll talk about in future episodes but also when the Giants are are doing what they're doing on offense right now and they're doing it at the pace 
that they're doing it on offense, it's it's really a struggle. So if just before this week, the Giants were 28th in seconds per play in neutral situations, which basically non-garbage time. The Giants are the fifth slowest offense in the league. And that, when, when you're not actually gaining yards and you're not gaining yards at one of the slowest paces in the league, uh, you just can't do that. And, and that's a surprise because last year, Shermer's Vikings were like seventh in situation neutral pace. And they were one of the quickest uh, when, when they needed to be. And then they slowed down when they had a lead. Um, but the Giants are just slow. All the time. All the time. And that's... They feel like a sports car that's just idling in traffic. Yeah, it just... It doesn't feel like a 2018 offense, which was what Pat Shermer was supposed to have been brought in to 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 give. Yeah, to give this team. And it just... It doesn't feel like that at all. It feels slow. It feels uncreative. And... Yeah, so... That's where we're sitting after this game right now. And Giants, as we look at it, they are 1-3. and three. Uh, And I'm looking at a, a 538 post right now. So teams that are 1-3 average 6.2 wins per year. And teams that are 1-3, 14% of them make the playoffs. So uh, again, like we've talked about, this was a... A team that, that we were told could compete this year. That's why they held on to Eli. That's why they drafted Barkley. That's why they didn't take an immediate quarterback of the future. But right now, at this point, that's just not happening. And, uh, and the probabilities of that happening are getting lower by the week. And the schedule doesn't get much easier before the bye. Yeah, the next... What was supposed to be their next winnable easy game however you want to put it i think was supposed to be the chicago bears and that's looking like they're gonna get mauled to make a very lame pun (laughs) full go on the on the lame puns i mean these are we're talking about our podcast names that are the big blue preview and big blue review so we're all about bad puns here um yeah so the next couple games at carolina philly on a short week thursday night at Atlanta on Monday night, then home for Washington, and then the bye in week nine. Now, again, just it's not looking up. It's, and, no. and, and there's uh, things that are going to need to be fixed quickly, or this could get uglier as the season progresses. And on that bright note, I don't think there's a whole lot more we can say. <laughs> right, yeah. So on that note, uh, thank you guys for joining us. There's going to be a lot of content up on Big Blue View this week, talking about this game against the Saints, eventually talking about the game against Carolina next week. If you have not, uh, find us and subscribe to this podcast. You can do that pretty much anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Rate and review us if you would be so kind. That kind of helps the word get spread around a little bit. We'll be back later in the week, a week five preview. I can't believe we're like a quarter of the way through the season already. Thanks for hanging out and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. 
Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Kerryu, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.